live from the internet, it's the Narrative After Show. Bringing you the entire week in review. Now, please welcome tonight's guests and your host, Seth Shalev. How's that for an introduction? You haven't seen that one, Sandy, wow. have you? <laughs> wow, it's like Vegas. It is like Vegas. Yes, we're going to ask you to do a little dance for us in a few minutes. Tip you your waitresses, right? You, you can get <laughs> I'll tips. I'll be here all week. I'll be here all week. <laughs> Thank you for being here tonight, Sandy. It's great to be with you. And wow. on the very far end of the screen, Kai Von Schroff, who is a, a Democratic uh, commentator and a smart dude all around. Uh, he does a lot of this uh, incredible work on his own on social media and uh, as a commentator on television in various places. And he's also worked in the Hillary Clinton campaign from way back when. Remember those good days when the world was still normal? Um, <laughs> where are emails? <laughs> where are her emails? Anyhow, um, you know, it's been a, let me ask you, Kaivan, if you think about all the time that's been spent since that election day, like the world has changed so much. Can you even contrast the two right. time periods I know. in your I know life? People, I think the media thought it was an overreaction when uh, Secretary Clinton said she was the last thing standing between us and the apocalypse. And yet here we are just a few short years later. So it's unbelievable. Well, we're not at apocalypse yet. We might be getting there shortly, but I don't think <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we've avoided it a little bit. You know, I, I view, uh, I for one think that, you know, the, the current president is doing a great job. So hopefully we're still on the path of still being a free and independent and liberal country. Uh, we never know if that's going to stick around in the future. But, I appreciate uh, your optimism. I hope no, so. I think I'm the only great work, so, <laughs> so I think, you know, it's an all hands on deck moment. It for sure is an all hands on deck moment, and it is a critical time in, in our history. But, you know, America's always done well in critical times, and, you know, and the free people of the world have always done well in critical times. So I'm hopeful for all of that. I was excited to have both of you on together because, you know, even though Sandy looks like she's, you know, barely out of her 30s, she is not. She's a. Uh, can we tell you how old you are? Yeah, are we allowed sure. to say? Pushing 80. Well, pushing 80. Is that right? Pushing 80? Is that right? No. 77. 77. That's closer to 80 than. Seven. Yeah, I know, but it's still three years away. But uh, still, you know what? I, and then, and then, Kaivon, you're 28, I, I gather, right? So you're very much right. younger than Sandy, and much younger than I, because I'm 48. And so we've got uh, three uh, different generations here. We've got. Uh, I'd be Generation X. You'd be a boomer. I'm I think, a war Sandy. baby. No, I'm a, a war, war baby. A war baby. I was born, I was born during World War Two. Right. I was born in 1944. Oh, wow. So, yeah. yeah. You, you, and so then, uh, Kaivon, you're a, a millennial, I think. Is that yes. right? Lucky you. Oh, you, we don't have a boomer here that you can go, okay, boomer to. <laughs> Maybe Sandy will play that role. Yeah. But, you know, it is interesting because, you know, you've got you know, a little bit of uh, context here in terms of understanding the world. Sandy's been around for a little longer than you and I have, Kaivon, and, and you've got a long way to go. So maybe we can think about how to save America's future together tonight. And uh, we've also got um, our fans joining us on narrative.org forward slash TV. If you want to interact with the show, that's where you've got to go because that's where we will see all your messages and we'll be able to uh, put your messages on screen. So that's narrative.org forward slash TV. People are saying Sandy, Sandy, Sandy. Oh, they are? Yes, they are. God. Um, so, in fact, I had to check this before we got on the air because I didn't want to make any assumptions about people's, you know, generations here. So I pulled up a graphic to show us the different kinds of generations. And I was surprised by how many there are of each of these different groups because there are 74 million baby wow. boomers. Wow. 74 million. That's a lot. 
There's only 50 yeah. million of us Gen Xers, uh -huh. 83 million millennials. There's so many of you. Wow. And then 86 million 86, Gen Zs. What is it? What age is that? 96 to 20, 2015. 50, yeah. So they're still, wow. they're still in school basically, wow. but, or almost coming out of school. That's interesting. That makes wow. the world really not belong to you and me anymore. Uh, Sandy. Yeah. It feels like the yeah. world belongs to the millennials and the Gen Zs of the world. So we can hand it over. As, as we I hate to tell you this, but you know how many people voted for Trump? 74 million. So you think that's the, uh, the all the 65 plus? No, Nick Fuentes uh, pointed uh, that out to me. He said what? 74 million of us voted for Trump and we're not going anywhere. Well, Although after what Pence said today, I'm very encouraged. That was good. Wasn't that impressive? Yeah. I thought Pence was, uh, you know, Pence really did save the Republic. And I know it's not like he did it. Well. He wasn't like the brave hero who stormed in and, yeah. and just on his own volition saved us all from the end of democracy. But yeah. it wasn't his hands at the end of the day, partly to delay that vote and he chose not to he yeah. could have he could have caused chaos if he wanted to he chose not to so maybe you know he's not as bad a dude as we all might think he is or i guess in his own words he didn't choose because he it was not within his authority it's true he it's couldn't true. choose yeah exactly yeah yes yeah. but you know it's true but ultimately if you, yes it's true that's true you're absolutely right but he was saying all day trump was saying you know mike mike pence has the courage because if he doesn't, I'm not going to like him anymore. He's actually said that. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be my friend anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to be your friend. I think he said that to him. I think he did. Those were the exact words. Did, I'm not yeah. going to be your friend. You're not going to be my friend anymore. So this is what uh, Pence has said this evening. Uh, President Trump is wrong. I mean, it's unbelievable wow. Pence has said those words. I had no right to overturn the election. And then he said the presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American the notion that any one person could choose the American president. That is a hell of a statement. And where he said it, Zev. He said it at the Federalist, Federalist Society. Who is, owns the government anyway. So, I mean, it's obviously went past their uh, naming they committee. Own the government. <laughs> Did they own the government? They own parts well, of Well, they put they the own. whole Supreme Court in. Yes. Barr was right. a Federalist, right? Right. Right, which, yeah. by the way, I believe that this is sort of the same lineup that Justice Gorsuch is participating in this weekend, which is closed press. Right. Um, it's like totally I inappropriate and unethical. Right. You know, I saw you posted that on your feed, and I'm actually stunned that that's happening. I mean, I know they're all members of the Federalist Society because we know that, but it's just ridiculous that they are, you know, would openly associate while they're on the court. I mean, they're meant to be impartial, at least when they're on the court. And, you know, it's right. Just, and I mean, as, as much as Pence's comments, you know, on this are getting a lot of attention, just before that, he was bashing, you know, Roe and how we have to overturn it. So, oh. what does it say that, you know, Gorsuch is right there as this like incredibly political partisan event is occurring. And I think unfortunately at a time, or maybe fortunately, because people are waking up to this reality, but distrust in the Supreme Court is, you know, at an all time high. And I think that when justices engage in this type of behavior, it only exacerbates that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really, really horrendous. Um, before we get in further into that, that's a good sidebar conversation. And I would really want to get back into it. But let's talk about Pence a little bit more, because Sandy, you were there on January the 6th, right? You were there when the word came out. Um, I guess they came around with uh, megaphones and they started telling people, you know, Pence is a traitor. And you, when you yeah. were outside, they're covering there, the coup. There were the guys. I was in this weird place, which I thought after the fact this is a, a weird word for it but i was in the kind of the boring place because <laughs> all yeah. my friends were inside and well, got all you got some good the, video you got really good video that day yeah so, but yeah. i got when i finally posted my timeline people said 
wow, we never seen this before. You know, this is really great. Yeah. And all I, I was with the regular MAGAs, right. not the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and the real heavy insurrectionists. But after, um, actually, this guy, uh, Barrett, uh, is that his name? He was just sentenced today, or he had a sentencing hearing. Uh, he was in Pelosi's office. What was that? Oh, his uh, name? Uh, I can't remember just, his name. Yeah, he was, he was just sent. Well, he, I filmed him. And uh, also the guy next to him, this was at the end of the day, and the guy says, I'm going to read a message from the president. Now, it's 4.30 in the afternoon, right. 4, 4.30. Right. And it's winding down. There was a 6 o'clock curfew, and people were coming out, and they were covered in blood. And I had no idea they were inside, by the way. I, right. <laughs> uh, they were coming out, tear gas and stuff. And um, he said... Um, and he read the tweet that Trump sent at 2.24 in the afternoon right. as Mike Pence didn't have the courage. Right. I think he changed the tense. Uh, give us the opportunity to certify an, a corrected set of facts. Right, right, right. And that made that. no sense to me. And then when the story broke about the fake electorates, it just... But we were really surprised, I think, remember, when you were on the show the next day or, or around then, <laughs> uh, we were surprised that they were walking around with those... Um, they, firstly, they got that information. How did they get that information? Because the cell it? phone yeah. towers were really not hard, you know, all you, I couldn't down. get a cell, yeah. And yet that they would have the foresight it? to have he, these megaphones and wander around and tell everyone this. I mean, they were basically inciting the crowd to then try and, you know, go after Pence. That yeah. was the trigger, right? That was what Trump was trying to do. Oh, there. The, the, was, this guy. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, let's you know, go ahead, try find Pence, and it's hanging. That's basically the signal that Trump was sending. That, that is a very significant moment that we saw that uh, that you were able to capture on that video, uh, which I thought was really significant on that day. And then here we are at a somewhat different situation. Uh, I heard uh, that was the next thing I was going to say. That for some reason that video started playing. I don't know if oh. it was in your end, but the guy goes at. He said, uh, Mayor Bowser, and there's another guy with a bullhorn, and they were like, right. they knew something, right? They were right. urging people to storm the Capitol all day long. And he said, uh, he said, it's your house, take it back, it's now or never, 1776. But then this guy, who just mysteriously showed up in my ears, said, uh, Mayor Bowser tried to send in the National Guard to shut us down, but the Defense Department said, no, thank you. Right, I remember now, that. Well, and who told him that? That was interesting too, right? How and did they, they get that information? That if the National Guard had come in, they would have been shut down and there would have been a possible bloodbath, actually. They would have shut it all down, but they were already given orders. Now, somebody I saw today said it wasn't just Chris Miller in the Defense Department, it was also Cash Patel and Watkins or whatever. There was five of them. There were five people that were Trump was you know, appointed in the waning days of his administration to various posts at the Pentagon. Yeah. And that included people like Cash Patel. Cash Patel. And it was interesting because I think Cash Patel was also tied to the NSA. And there was yes. a... Wasn't he the head of it or something? I, I mean, he was, was about to be the unqualified yeah. guys in charge of everything. He was going to be sort of the deputy NSA person. Oh, I don't yeah. know. but So he was installed there. And then we found out just yesterday that the NSA or someone at the NSA was actually proposing and maybe was even doing the using the NSA data to prove that the elections were stolen. 
So yeah, that just might, came out yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So there so might be this huge. interesting uh, thread that we haven't yet seen yet. You know, we've seen so many conspiracies here. Yeah, we've seen the conspiracy yeah. that was the actual like, insurrection, the crowd outside. We've seen the conspiracy that was the false state of electors that happened inside and the pressure mm-hmm. on Pence to overturn the election. We've also known that there was a conspiracy to leading up to that, to build up and to get fake affidavits and the legal cases. And now we might be seeing even oh. another conspiracy where there's probably an NSA cash Patel attempt to overthrow the election. I mean, they were going at it from every angle. Um, but the, on the 12th, you know, there were three rallies. The first one was November 14th, yeah, a week after he lost the election. And then November 9th is when he installed everybody in the Pentagon, you know, uh, Defense Department. Right. And in D.C., because it's not a state, the only people who are can give the word to the National Guard are the president and then the Secretary of Defense. So they had that covered. There was no way. There were 14 attempts to send in the National Guard request, please. Well, you've been very good at pointing this out because I think people still have not figured out what exactly the military was doing on that day. Like, I don't understand yet. I don't understand why the National Guard was on such a low alert level, but also why it took so long to send them in. That was, of course, a big issue. But why all these people are still there? Like the same people, you know, Charles Flynn, he's still running uh, the Pacific. They got him out of town. Fast. Yeah, but he's still there. I mean, he's, I know. Not, he's, I know. he's Charles Flynn, and he's like running the Pacific Fleet. I and, just and isn't some lawyer from the NSA, some other kind of felon, is in there still? There's so many of them still there. I think they are. I think the one you're talking about, I can't remember his name, but yes, there is one of them that's there. So you and know, I think it's, uh, just, all of this conversation just like really underscores how critical it was for Democrats to establish the January 6th committee because. I mean, I think in a different time, right, we would have had a 9-11 style commission, bipartisan, looking into this. Mm. And at the time you had media, you had people like Politico, which, you know, obviously has its own reputation, but, you know, suggesting that this wouldn't be a legitimate process if we didn't accept putting Jim Jordan on this committee when just today we found out that Jim Jordan had a 10 minute conversation with Trump on the day of the attack. So I think just, you know, looking back, you know, just a little over a year ago and how crazy it would have been to let this go and let this not, you know, go investigated for for the last year. I mean, it's just so important what Nancy Pelosi Uh, did. Absolutely. And, you know, it was underscored today or yesterday when they issued in the uh, Republican caucus, issued that uh, censure of of the two congressmen who are supportive of the committee to investigate Jan 6. I mean, and that censure was so weirdly worded that it's almost like the entire party has decided that they're just voluntarily going to admit that they are no longer with hold up democratic principles. I mean, they say they support yeah. the Constitution, but then they go on to say that the insurrection was fine, that it was perfectly normal. But that it's against the Constitution to have an insurrection. But, That's not, they're not allowed to do that. That is the clear rule. Giuliani apparently yeah. said when Trump lost, he just yeah. said, say you won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, okay. and that's what they did. It's been stolen and, you know, over and over and over again. Yeah, but the uh, goal the of the of the caucus, I mean, these are sitting Congress people that have been elected to these positions. They have no reason to be doing anything but following the law, which is the Constitution. That's what they swear yeah. to do. And then off they go and essentially the two people who are actually upholding the Constitution while they're busy promoting a dictatorship. I mean, literally yeah, a dictatorship. Yeah. It's hard well, to believe. It's, it's yeah. alarming because just like you say, right, Giuliani advises him just to say whatever, because I think that behavior has been really rewarded for Republicans. Like we see even now, I think you mentioned the censure, mm. which is somewhat ironic given all the backlash and the 
you know, hubbaloo about, you know, Spotify and people can't in the private sector, you know, deciding they don't want to pay for a personal individual subscription to a, a private service. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have the Republican Party literally banning books via legislation, banning teaching history and, you know, officially censoring anyone that dare disagree or stand up for democracy. And that's actually the scary type of censorship that we've somehow allowed media to lose sight of. And now it's this tit for tat of, oh, you know, this cancel culture is like gone out of hand. What about all of those alarming behaviors? You know, that's really what we should be talking about and focusing on. And instead, it's a 24 hour news cycle every day about, you know, a Democrat or a random person didn't like this. And, you know, worse, the left is so intolerant. So I think, unfortunately, uh, Republicans somehow managed to control that dialogue. And we need to really be vocal to take back the, the narrative. I agree with you. I think that, you know, this whole idea that they are opposed to cancel culture, but they're busy canceling everything canceling. is ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, we look at the laws that they just passed in Tennessee. Is that the law in Tennessee? There's one in Florida that yeah, was pretty wild. But the one in Tennessee where they basically anyone carrying a gun could be considered law and order. Um, basically, so white people who get gun licenses can walk around with their guns and do whatever because they are law enforcement now, apparently. Mm-hmm. Where people who can't get guns, well, they're the criminals. So, you know, it's clearly another, you know, dog whistle kind of racist law that they're instituting there. And we're seeing that kind of legislation being passed around the country. And, you know, it's, these are apartheid-like laws. These are not, they're not pretending not to be apartheid-like laws. They really are. This is what apartheid (laughs) looked like. This is exactly, you know, the kind of stupid laws that they start passing because they have to justify their system. And, you know, Well, they're becoming diminishing. You know, that white people are going to be the minority. Maybe we are already. I mean, well, that's what I they're terrified about. I know they're terrified of it, but this is hardly a solution. I mean, this is, you know, driving the country into an absolute crisis, as they've been doing for the last few years, is insane. That's no, no way to solve the problem, in my opinion, but that's, you know, clearly not theirs. I want to uh, actually take a look at some of these memos, if you don't mind, because I, I did pull them up. These are the ones from the NSA document. I'm not, I haven't even read them yet, so I just want to quickly peruse them with you guys. Because I do think they're really interesting. So this is the counter election for this is so dated December eighteenth, twenty twenty, which is incredible. It's a, this is the day they had that meeting. This is the day yeah. that Sidney Powell and Michael Flynn and the other crowd arrived at the White House to convince the president of the United States, the then sitting president of the United States, to basically overthrow the government using the Jan 6 date as the day to do it. And that's when they, uh, he proved that. That's the day that that uh, whole plan was set into motion. And it's interesting here because they said, so we're requesting POTUS instruct acting Secretary of Defense, Christopher C. Miller, to bring yeah. in these three cleared individuals to form a core advisory team to the White House, oh. the SecDef and DNI regarding foreign interference in the 2020 election. And then it's saying this uh, commander... Uh, Frank Colon, USN, current DOD senior legal counsel for offensive cyber support. So then it gives you these three names. So it's this Colon guy, Colon, and then uh, Richard Higgins and Michael Del Rosso. Now, these two names are very significant. Higgins is a former National Security Council director for strategic planning, very senior guy. But Michael Del Rosso is a former consultant for the U.S. Special Operations Command. He could not be any high up 
wow. uh, in terms of who he was consulting for the access that he had and wow. some people suggest you know he might be uh, influenced by other governments as well so it is interesting to look at this guy here and understand that he's basically a four-star equivalent it says here it says you know recently vetted presidential personnel office candidate for four-star equivalent dod so he wow. is a big deal this was not some like minor plan this was a big big deal they were going to take all the data available to people nsa collects everything right nsa basically collects the entire um ah. every bit of data out there and they would have taken that and then they would have used that to prove or claim to prove that they won the elections it's kind of wow. this is like so detailed it's like been yeah. going on for years i think it has I don't been think going it on just for years it not just didn't just happen in november no. i mean they with the minute that he lost the election, I mean, they just, Roger Stone came up with Stop the Steal maybe before the 2016 yeah. election in case he lost, which he would, would have if the Russians had. I think it was before yeah. the 2016 election. I think yeah, it was like I think you're right. He yeah, came up with, he also came up with build the wall because Trump was too dumb to talk about immigration. Right, right. So it was like, you know, I come from advertising, you know, it was like these advertising slogans yeah. and, you know, build the wall, build the wall, you know, they, that's all they, they give him things in three words so that he could remember. Yeah, yeah, basically. exactly. And they chant it, lock her up, lock her yeah, up. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it, it is interesting that uh, this is such a developed concept they had there. I mean, these guys are not, these are very senior people. These are not just like one guy at the NSA who's yeah. going to like try get the data. They were going to basically get into everyone's private accounts, everyone in the country's private cell phones, private information. They're going to dip into that big data pond, if you want, and then look for instances where there's potentially fraud or, or anything like that in the elections. Or who knows? Who knows whose conversations they might have been able to pick up along the way? Do you think they really believe it? I mean, do you think they're all true believers that they had been convinced that the election was stolen? That they I were acting foreign... out of patriotism? I think it's a foreign op, and I, you know, I was. Uh -huh. That's just my personal opinion. This whole thing is a foreign op. Everything that yeah. happened on Jan six is foreign op, and everything that happened with yes. Donald Trump is a foreign op. So, yeah. you know, it wouldn't surprise me one bit that uh, that's the case. Yeah. Interestingly, here um, I'll just read a little bit here about Michael Del Rosso. He's the vice president and senior fellow of the American Strategy Group, a think tank dedicated to understanding the strategic threats to the United States, and a member of the independent working group of missile defense. I mean, it's interesting that he's kind of like they. They sound to me like these front organizations that sometimes other governments set up in <gasps> order to give people like, you know, there was the Dmitry Symes had set up for the Russians. These are very similar type wow. conversations. Yeah. And then it's also just interesting here that he not only did he have access to the U.S. Special Operations Command, which he advised on critical command level issues at the nexus of intelligence, operations, technology and policy in support of the command's counter proliferation and counterterrorism mission. He also wow. participated in a classified and unclassified DOD and DHS national security initiatives, the USCNS 21 Hart Rudman Commission and a chair of the IEEE USA CIPC wow. was invited to brief the EMP, or whatever, these are just all names, but people won't really understand. But then he goes on to say here that Del Rosso has decades of congressional outreach experience working with members and staff in both parties in the areas of critical infrastructure protection. So he's not only connected to DOD, he's only connected to the operatives around the White House who are busy organizing this, but it seems to me that he was also very connected to everyone in Congress. How useful is that in terms of the fact that they had a meeting on the two days before we now found out on January the 4th? At the, at, yeah, they That's might. when Chris Miller wrote that memo yeah. that told all the cops, you can't wear protective gear. 
Right. Who's that What's about? also interesting about that, because clearly they're saying here that it's Donald Trump who was directing Chris Miller to take action in that previous memo I just saw, showed you. Yeah. So it's interesting yeah. that in terms of who told Chris Miller to have the National Guard step down on that day, it may very well have been Donald Trump who gave him but the But it order. had to be, because I told you in D.C. since 1802, since mm. the National Guard were like created to protect, I was actually born in D.C., it's not a state, it's a district, and... Mm. Uh, the National Guard is only has to go first through the president right. and then delegate the next chain of command because all day long, you know, in my timeline where the 14 times that they were fleeing for the National Guard, they would say, well, I'll send it up the chain of command. So each time, like the first time it was asked for, 1253 was the first breach of the um, barricades. Yeah. You know, when the Proud Boys and all those guys breached that mm. first barricades on the west side, that's when the National Guard should have been called Absolutely. in. Absolutely. You know, I mean, because well, they were like a mob. Yeah. And so the National Guard should have been called in. But uh, the first plea went out like two minutes later and to the sergeant at arms, because there's like a very specific chain of command that the sergeant at arms has to talk to somebody else. You can't just call up the president and say, Senator, the National Guard has to go through. Right. So right. they were aware of this, acutely aware of it. Right. And, no, they they, you know, they they knew about it before. It. They had the they had all the knowledge before. They really did. So it's not like they weren't aware at all. No. Kaivon? That's why they were in stone. No, man, I think back to the question, you know, of do they really believe it? You know, to some yeah. extent, it doesn't really matter. But mm. when you have legislators that were elected on the same ballot as Joe Biden questioning only the result of Biden's victory, you know, <laughs> that's a pretty disingenuous thing. And I think, you know, there has been some legislation proposed to not allow people like that to be seated, um, which I think is a good idea. But what is the real threat is whether or not the people at the top really believe it millions of their followers do unfortunately genuinely buy this disinformation and you have places like fox news and even you know some aspects of mainstream media perpetuating these dangerous ideas and this is something that secretary clinton There's called out wrong with sound final she basically says you know how incredibly dangerous it was that trump would not commit to accepting the election results and kept pushing this rigged idea and that was you know years before any of this happened so this has been sort of a conversation that i think people were um kind of slow to take as seriously as as we should have yeah i mean we still are taking it very seriously i mean even though we are taking it right. seriously here even though the congress is taking it seriously we're still not seeing any action by the department of uh, justice to in terms of any legal action against the actual plotters here you know which is sad i mean honestly if no action is taken against michael flynn or roger stone or alex jones that would be really sad yeah. let, let me tell you something i mm. you know i was at uh, when um epstein was arrested uh, i was in a, actually it was the fourth of july i was in dc for trump's big military fourth <laughs> of july yeah. and he was arrested like the next day and i went to on monday was the press conference and the sdny prosecutor who was fired by the way Trump fired him after yeah. this uh, he said this operation was so secretive not even other FBI agents knew so I keep thinking about that which operation which operation was so secretive? the sting that got Epstein they arrested him at oh. the airport yeah that's they interesting Matitabor yeah. so I don't we don't know just because it's not on Twitter doesn't mean yeah I, I do agree with not that doing it right Right. I, I, right. Think that yes. I have faith that, you know, the Biden DOJ and the New York State, you know, attorney general, you know, people 
have every incentive to see accountability here. And these are sort of lifelong public servants who I think understand how serious this is. And just because we're not seeing it happen in real time, it doesn't mean nothing's happening. At the same time, I think it's really valid to understand that people do see, you know, a lack of action publicly and that that itself is unfortunately a problem for the rule of law. Um, You know, I guess sort of two foundations of our criminal justice system are this idea Mm -hmm. of retribution and, you know, you want to punish somebody who did something wrong, but then also deterrence. And, you know, I think people are worried that they're not seeing that sort of swift accountability. And so is there going to be deterrence or will people feel that they can continue to try to undermine our democratic elections in this way? And and I think, you know, hopefully soon we'll have more information. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people that are very focused on this seem to have, you know, some thoughts that things should be coming hopefully in months. I mean, hopefully there is, hopefully there's something happening. I'm just going to pick up some of the messages that people are sending us on the chat rooms here. So I heard Monique and Dave et al today towards the end of the space. This is, uh, I think it relates to Dave Troy's spaces thing, which is Okay, so yes, I don't know what they said about the truckers, but I am interested in what they said about. Oh, the you know, I think the truckers is an op. The truck is definitely an op. Yeah, it is. De- I think it's definitely an op. The question that. is who Holy. who is doing it. You well, know, uh, Michael Flynn, they had this uh, GoFundMe, ten million dollars. Where'd that come from? And Jack Posobiec's Twitter page has my pillow guy saying we have a special discount for Canadians. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Pushing, yeah, oh. you go over to his page, check it out. <laughs> so it's basically and, an attack you know, it's on an op, Canada. Yeah. Or don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I mean, who the hell is Mike Lindell? I want to know. I mean, what the what is that yeah. creature? How did he become the whatever he is? I mean, I know he runs He's this very wealthy company, but, and yeah. uh, will do anything apparently. It seems so. Trumpism is where nihilism and surrealism meets Nazism. Thank you, Heavenly oh, Dreamer. That's nice. a good one. Heavenly um, and here's another one from Stacy. She's saying our state legislature here in Arizona just forward loser gun regulation. It was near impossible Looser. to respond on the, to the request to speak system. Just, I may even not reading that correctly. To respond on the request to speak system as a voter this week due to the lag time. Yeah, I mean, Arizona is one of those states which is just unbelievable what's going on in Arizona. I mean, it's just chaos over mm-hmm. there, it seems like. Here's one from Marie. She's saying he's an agent of chaos. He says yes. Ukraine and Taiwan would be invaded at the same time. He is meaning who? Who's the agent of chaos? It must be Trump. I don't know. Though people have been saying that, that there could be a dual attack right at the same time. But we're in the middle oh of the my God, really? Olympics, <sighs> so hopefully not. I have friends in Ukraine now, journalist friends that, that are over there now. Oh, it's going to be very, very... I thought the image today of Xi and uh, Putin at the start of the Olympics was <gasps> chilling. I mean, really, really chilling. There's no... Look, yeah. These guys are in cahoots with each other for a long time. And everything that's happened in the last you know, eight years, really eight years probably since 2013 has been their doing has been their involvement in setting up all these fake candidates and these compromised candidates like boris johnson but you know you, that and trump and then you've got you know you, what's happened in the last decade is unbelievable and it's all due to the, these two yeah. leaders it's all due to putin yeah. and g and no yeah. matter how much we try to placate them they are forwarding their plan and it's all this cyber the disinformation mm-hmm. amplification you know, mm-hmm. Sobiak and that whole right wing thing. And they're just Trinidad. I see it. You know what I started to do? When you get some kind of weird, like, spam thing or trying to get you to rage tweet, look yeah. and see who they follow. Right. And so they will follow Tim Pool, Joe Rogan, right. Jack Posobiak, uh, right, right, Ian right. Miles Chung. <laughs> they're all, you know, it's all just information amplification. 
really is incredible that We're system so they built. We are so screwed. Well, we are a little screwed because the system is so effective. I mean, this amplification system they've built is not, you know, it's, we thought it was just Facebook, but it's not just Facebook. No, now no, we know no, it's no. also Spotify and it probably is a right, bunch of other right. things as well where they're just, no matter where you're looking, they're pushing content at us that is designed to polarize us and designed to create conflict. That is what's yeah. know, the easy thing no, and to do. Very, they're very, I think, unfortunately, on the right, too, there's this overlap between these sort of like legitimate conservative intellectuals, whatever you want to fuck that as, and these conspiracy theories and sort of baiters. Like, I don't know if people followed the recent story with Ilya Shapiro and obviously tweeting that horrible thing about Biden's Supreme Court nominee. And then right. Mark Joseph Stern, a reporter, kind of called out the tweet. Within 24 hours, you have an entire sort of right-wing blog infrastructure attacking that reporter for just pointing that out. And I've seen it in so many different instances. It's happened to me once or twice before. But you get 10 articles from different sort of suit, like the National Review, et cetera. And these are sort of blogs that somebody like Ben Shapiro will share, but then also, you know, the more fringe people, although I personally consider Ben Shapiro pretty fringe, but um, you know, that's somebody I think the New York Times normalizes. And then you have, you know, he has like, I think 2 million followers or something like that. So slowly you kind of have this creep of disinformation um, blending with, you know- And Joe Rogan Rogan has 11 million followers. And I was at a Defeat the Mandate rally. That weekend, my head's still spinning. There was the March for Life. Right, right. With the crazy Christians. And then the next, and then all weekend, it was just this insane disinformation thing. And by the way, you know. So you're uh, saying that Joe Rogan spoke. spoke, Why am I hearing this? Joe Rogan was Uh, on the original. He had the guy, Malone. Who's a way out there? Uh, you saw Joe Rogan at one of those rallies no, leading no, up to. No, 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 no. Joe Rogan was. No, I think he was just saying. He, I found his on the website of Dr. Okay. Malone. Whatever. Okay. Thing. Thank you. He was originally. They said, "Oh, he had nothing to do with it." That's bullshit. Malone was on his show. He pushed the rally. And then he was on their website as a speaker. I posted it on Twitter. Oh, Joe so you Rogan are saying that, Laura that Logan. Malone used Rogan's podcast to promote the rally. Is that what you're saying? That's right. He had Dr. Malone on. He goes, yeah. you know, I'm, I don't feel one way or the other. You know, he's an anti-vaxxer. But yeah. what's happened is the Stop the Steal movement has, like, been cannibalized or morphed into, you know, I filmed Nick Fuentes at the anti-mandate rally, yeah. the Proud Boys. Uh, baked Alaska, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, they're all like anti-mandates now. And it's they're all coming on. after the school boards now. I mean, they've gone from vaccines, now the next thing is school boards. And these are people's yeah. schools. These are, you know, the, this is the hearts of every community in America. And you've got these, you know, foreign propaganda machines pushing people into these extreme positions. And you've got people like Fuentes and company showing up and the Proud Boys showing up at school board meetings or school meetings about masks. Yes, and masks. Scott yeah. Pressler, who's a really dangerous guy, and he's also been uh, subpoenaed or something. He was an organizer of Stop the Steal. And he says at Gracie Mansion, one of my favorite videos, he goes, and I have a message for CNN. You know, we're coming for your school boards. And what happened was the next week, they mm-hmm. started harassing this, you know, having scenes at the school boards. And then these right. signs about the Nuremberg Codes all over the country. I saw them in New York at the same time, all over the country, the Nuremberg right. Codes. We'll tell, tell everyone again what the Nuremberg Codes were. I don't interesting... know. It's apparently after uh, World War II, 
mm. and they tried everybody in Nuremberg. Ah, yeah, I remember this. Uh, it said they have pictures of Fauci dressed as Mangala at mm. the mandate thing, and all these uh, wearing yellow stars and all this Nazi stuff, which is just fear porn. Right. The Nuremberg the code, I think, was that basically if you followed orders, you were still responsible, basically. So if you, you couldn't were, experiment you, on humans. You, you, well, no, you couldn't. You commit crimes, basically, because the Nuremberg uh -huh. trials took place right after the World War Two, yeah. and uh, the people who are taking orders used to, would say, hey, I was just following orders. So therefore, I'm not responsible yeah. for the crimes. Right. Oh, I see. I didn't and know basically, that. But there's so, 10 of them. That right. So, is, oh, okay. So well, I asked the guy, uh, yeah. the first time I saw the sign, it was all hand written and i said what does that mean somebody said it's world war ii google it <laughs> right. and, you know they have no idea but this guy had all 10 of them and i said where did you get that and he says facebook so i go into facebook and i look up nuremberg codes and who comes up dr simone gold oh and yes she, she was on the steps of city hall the doctors without ethics or whoever they were on the steps of not city hall of the supreme court talking about you know the guys in the white coats remember that and, yeah. and one of them is now the florida attorney general or something well i mean there, there is that that whole um anti-vaxxer movement was that the anti-vaxxing that was the start of that movement right well it started uh, with anti-vaxxing but yeah, then right. they found out well we're not, that's not going to work because people are actually getting vaccinated so it went into well we're not against vaccine we're against mandating it right 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 so, so the that's uh, that simone gold thing that doctor organization that she created yeah yeah you know we were able to track back where they were getting their talking points and their talking points really? are basically coming out of this guy from the i think it was the dominican republic we looked a lot to all of us like a, a Russian asset of some sort. And they basically held this convention, this convention where all these doctors went to, and that's where they got all these talking points. And then and within weeks, it was spread everywhere. Yeah, I, all that hydro, stuff. She first was talking about hydrochloroquine, and then Trump, yeah. you know, parrots it. Yeah, yeah. He responded. It's designed for him. doctor that he had, that was crazy. Yeah. I mean, remember yeah. the bleach under the skin? I mean, this, the amazing thing is yeah. that people no, would, so would consider like, wanting so to bring shocking. him back to power. And this guy was the worst yeah. president in history, obviously. Mm. Obviously, you can't say he wasn't. And people would still consider re-electing him in parts of this country. Well, That's and how... I think what's yeah. scary is just how many people have a financial incentive to be doing this. You know, I think like there's few people that have gotten rich off telling people take a vaccine, pay attention to science. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people that have gotten really rich and made a yeah, ton of a money following from spreading this misinformation. Yeah. And I think right. that's where, you know, people like I'm sure all of us want to keep an eye on places like YouTube and Google and Spotify, because without that incentive structure, I think a lot of that disinformation goes away and we've seen that happen. So, you know, I think it's more just about who can hold these massive platforms accountable and demand better, because obviously bad actors are going to exploit that as much as they can. We did see some good news this week out of Facebook. Um, you know, not good news for them, bad news for them, but good news for us. Because the stock price went down 20%. <laughs> And that's basically Apple was did, did that, right? Apple basically took away some of their permissions to monitor our, our every move on our phones. Is that and right? Because if they oh. took away those permissions, that's why, um, you know. Well, and and user down. growth, for the first time in history, their yeah. user growth slowed. So they've had, you know, increasing growth since their existence, I think, for the last 18 years it was. And then this is the first month where their daily users uh, went down. So, wow. Oh, it so sucks to be Zach today. <laughs> yeah. And I think it just shows you that, you know, you can sort of whack away these one-off like outrage bursts that happen or media scandals but you know 
for a sustained year plus, maybe even three years now, Facebook has really shredded its goodwill and its reputation. Absolutely. And of course, it's going to catch up at some point. So, oh yeah, this is no coincidence. It's not a coincidence. I mean, this look, they were the vehicle that elected Donald Trump in 2016. That's how yeah. the that right. I mean, they elected. sold ad allowing you to target white supremacists, yeah. basically. Yeah. And if that's your business model, I mean, I don't know how you sleep at night, but also I'd like to think that our country is better than that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I think we've got a, you know, these things I don't believe happen by accident. I think there is a coordinated effort to basically, you know, bring Facebook to account for itself. Otherwise, if you don't do that, can you imagine what the next iteration is once they do launch Meta or whatever it is they're launching? You know, how, how much scarier does it get when they use the same ethics and principles to guide them right. in a virtual world? It would be a nightmare. Well, and I think what's also alarming is if you look at Mark Zuckerberg or you look at Jack who ran Twitter or you look at the Spotify CEO, first of all, they're all sort of the same demographic. But then I think a lot of these founder stories turn out to be somebody who is pretty smart, who is good at coding, who understands one thing, which is technology and their product. And then it becomes huge and it becomes, you know, this social you know, juggernaut type thing. And they don't have the sociology exposure or they don't know anything about how to moderate a platform or, you know, what democracy should be or what responsible sort of platforming is. And they think they're brilliant. And, you know, you can't really stop them and say, okay, but, you know, actually just some freshman level idea of free speech that, you know, a 19 year old has in, you know, intro to political science is really not a thoughtful way to respond to these criticisms. And I do feel like intellectually, that's where people like that are at. I mean, just look at Elon Musk, right? Like imagine somebody like that, somebody so immature who really doesn't know a lot about the world. And I think you can see that in the way he engages. It's scary how much power he has. Yeah, he does have an enormous amount of power. And I think what you're saying is right. I think they take a lot of these really smart kids. I think they get, you know, supported by maybe people with uh, less than noble intentions and they build them up into first the icons, but they don't really have the power. Like, I don't think that Zuckerberg really runs Facebook. I think it's Sandy that runs, uh, Sandberg that runs Facebook. I think she's Maybe it'd be one. better if Sandy was running Sandy Facebook. Sandy was running yeah, it. I'm not doing anything. Fine. <laughs> that's way it should be. Five thousand right? friends. Wait a minute. <laughs> but it's a, you know, it's I think it's Cheryl Sandberg that's actually calls the shots there. I mean, oh, first thing, there's this whole weird history. Aggressive. Yeah, I'm going to tell the so. story of Cheryl Sandberg on another day, but there's a weird, weird, <laughs> weird history there. Karen saying Russians understand what makes Americans tick, similar to ad agencies. Our weaknesses, passions, etc. They have exploited them all through their domestic cutouts, through mm-hmm. Tucker and Rush, etc. 100%. That's exactly what's Rush. happening. Remember Rush? Yeah. How are we going to get? You know, Sarah we- Palin's in town. She really started the whole. Yeah, she could shocking, see some, she could see Russia. saying shocking stuff that Trump just ran with. You know, she, remember when she used to just say the most off the wall stuff? I remember that whole campaign. I covered that uh, at CBS. That was insane. That was really right, interesting. Right. They actually, right. you know, back then when they still had a responsible GOP, it was the GOP that killed Sarah Palin's and that whole campaign. Like internally, they thought oh, she was really? such a terrible candidate that oh, the really? campaign <laughs> staff actually created the whole event that allowed her to go down and allowed the McCain oh, campaign. They made a movie about that. But, you know, there was an internal yeah. move by responsible people inside the campaign, some, some of them on TV these days. Oh, I um, And yet, you know, right now, look at the, the, the GOP. doesn't have a moral backbone to speak of. Um, Andrea says, why didn't the MSM write about Zuckerberg getting lots of dollars from Russia in 2010? And links oh. to the 2016 election. I don't know why they didn't write about it. I know I wrote about it, um, and I have no idea. Why no. I still they haven't written about it. You know, it's pretty clearly outlined that Jury Milner gave them a lot of money 
you know, there's more about Yuri Milner too. Yuri Milner is also really not just Yuri Milner. Yuri Milner is probably tied to the Russian intelligence services. So, um, do you know you who know. introduced Pence to Trump? I do know Manafort. Manafort, I know. I broke that story too. You did. I did back in back in the day. I was at the press conference where yeah. they announced Pence, and he gets up there and he goes, "I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, and I'm a Republican in that order." He said. Yeah, I remember him saying that at another conference. I think it's some anti-LGBT conference that he was. Oh at. Was yeah, like, it's just horrible. It's horrible. Oh, you know, it's just unbelievable. Some of this, uh, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, why has the media missed so many of these stories? It's oh, stunning still that we still don't know that there's no mention yet that Russia has so much control over Zuckerberg in any mainstream media, which really makes you wonder who's running the mainstream media. You know, who owns the mainstream mm. media? That's just a just really really big question because none of the stuff ever gets on the air there. Uh, what else we got here? One more from Troy. Was just tweeted that Pence is the choice of the Cokes. Oh, interesting. Coke brothers, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And then one more. Huh. I think this is just a follow-on from Karen here. It's the the ridiculously zealot-like candidates for the Supreme Court feel like a backhanded dissolution of power. Dissolution, sorry, of the court's power. The right is killing democracy by a thousand cutouts. A hundred percent. Federalists, yeah. yeah. But I mean, the fact that he would said that. You know that was completely vetted and staged. That he, he said that today? Donald Trump was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know that was. It's. I'm very encouraged. I mean, believe me. <laughs> I need to be encouraged by that. I mean, we just got to take a look at it one more time because it is, yeah, it is good, kind good, of amazing. Good. It is amazing that Mike Pence said these words because for four years we just saw him, you know, groveling in front of Donald Trump, and you know, anything he said was absolutely godly and uh, perfect according to Pence. But here he is saying that President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. And then he says, the presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could wow. choose the American oh, president. Yeah. Of course, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think the, the orders came from... Tell that Russia. to Justice Rehnquist. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well they know just... Trump's going to get indicted. He's going to get indicted somewhere. He's going to get indicted by the Manhattan DA, yeah. Georgia... Yeah. January 6th, I'll put it onto the Department of Justice. You know, somebody's going to get them. And I think they know it. I predict they're going to cut their losses. But what do I know? I think you're I think he's going to get indicted as well. I, I'm not sure he's going to get indicted on a federal level. I just don't see it. But uh, who knows? I mean, there's so much new mm-hmm. evidence every day. The stuff about the NSA really um, takes yeah. it to a whole new level. I mean, it's not just that's not your typical. <laughs> it's not even a normal coup. Now we're talking about a whole new uh, you know, tech level coup where you're uh, spying on Americans and stealing their private data to, oh, it's just unbelievable. It's really, how much valuable data would they have gotten out of that if they'd gotten permission during that We don't know what they have. We yeah, don't know what they've know. got already, yeah. you know. What did Trump give them all those years? Exactly. So, I mean, I think, who knows, maybe as this gets you know, more interesting, because I think a lot of this information is very new. The fake state of electors, slate of electors is new to the commission. They only found out about it a few weeks ago. So now, you know, they're building their knowledge, and I'm sure the DOJ is learning as it's going along. I mean, some of the stuff may not have been apparent to them either. So, you know, maybe the New York case, the the New York case, which will probably be RICO, you know, Mm -hmm. the stuff they got Avenatti on. Avenatti Avenatti was uh, sentenced today, I think. Wire fraud. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not sentenced, but found guilty. It was found guilty today, yeah. It's just so interesting. I'm smiling a little bit. That's how I feel about Avenatti. Um, Because, you know, Yeah, what a schmuck. Well, it's so, grifter, grifter heaven this last 
five years. <laughs> Remember there was like a five minute period when Avenatti was going to run for the presidency. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and people were like, oh yeah, he could really be the president. He's good. Uh, I met him. I will say there is, I think there's a fundamental difference between the parties. Cause I think a lot of times people say, oh, this is just the moment we're in. But I think that somebody like Avenatti was not going to succeed in the Democratic Party for long, whether or not he had these legal issues, because at the end of the day, I think Democratic voters do have some baseline values that are not on the other side, period. And we're not looking for some carnival barker who can just get elected. It's got to be somebody that can deliver on, you know, the initiatives that are important for our democracy. and Actual policies, actual real policies. The problem is, I don't think the other side is that, I mean, I think there's good people on both sides, right? It's just that they don't have an option. I think the entire GOP is so corrupt that they don't even get the chance to vote for people who aren't corrupt. And given the chance and given a fair shot at it, they might do it. You know, it's not, you know, there's a sense amongst Democrats that, you know, I don't want to use the word deplorables, but there's that sort of sense around the Republicans in the red states that, you know, they just sort of, you can't get to them and they're beyond reproach. And that's just not true. I think there's lots of people in the middle of the country that would like to vote Democratic and they often don't get a a candidate to vote for and they don't get the political muscle in those communities to vote for them. So what do you think would take for them to, um, what could happen to Trump that his base would go well, oh I think what's God, good, I never, yeah. what I think needs to go, what, what needs to go is the ecosystem that's projecting this information into their, their worlds. I mean, they're living in a false ah. reality, in my opinion. Fox. So, yeah. yeah, Fox, Newsmax, OAN, the Facebooks, you name it, whatever's being thrown at them on a daily basis as their own media system, they watch different media than we do. So, But I think uh, also almost nothing is the answer to that yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah. That's because I think what history has shown about sort of these sort of populist or pseudo-populist movements yeah. is that it's actually a little bit less about the person that they channel it through and more about mm. right, people right. sort of giving up their self, like they don't like their life, their state yes. of things, right. and becoming this mass identity. And I think like when you look at the hats, right, like the red hats, like that's yeah. so telling, that's part of that. It's like they're part yeah, of something. Right. So yeah. it's really it's less. Almost it's like a tailgate on. party. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's, a, exactly. it's like a huge, that's, that's so what the rallies are about. Well, I think you're yeah. right there. And it's also the churches. I think a lot of it is happening in churches. A lot of it's happening in community centers. I mean, community uh, events like the schools and things like that. A lot of the politics yeah. is getting passed down through there as well. You know, unless a P tape or something came out, you know, <laughs> say, nothing and they would say them. it was doctored, you know, yeah. I mean, they don't, when they won't, I've talked to them, you know, for years. Yeah, yeah, you uh, have. I've talked to the QAnons. And by the way, there hasn't been a QAnon drop for a year. Mission accomplished January 6th. Well, they moved on to vaccines no, and January school boards. 6th. Oh, really? Yeah. No, they, they, no, there hasn't been. After January 6th, I believe, somebody could correct us. Uh, well, that's really interesting. So what you're saying, the entire QAnon thing was just to get us to January 6th, that that was the whole, yes, uh, that was the mission. I believe so. Yeah, that that was mission accomplished. That's just wow. a theory. Because I mean, I've interviewed QAnons around the country. Mm-hmm. And one of them in Minneapolis, I was invited on a bus trip by this guy, Front Row Joe. And he, he's the biggest MAGA of all. He'd been to every single Trump rally. And I interviewed him at one rally. And then I saw him in another one. He said, you're the only journalist that has shown us for who we are. Right. <laughs> so I just turned my camera on, you know. Well, and, uh, we went to Milwaukee, and which is QAnon Central. And I always ask them, how did you get into it and when? They all say October 28th, 2017. And one guy said, they usually say 4chan. One guy said 4chan and Guccifer 2.0. Right, right. Which was 
basically how we got WikiLeaks, right? I mean, that was the yeah the origin of that. Yeah, and you know the producer of the PR guy for the mandate thing? I forget his name right now, but he was WikiLeaks PR guy. And oh, really? Seth Rich, and he pushed the Seth Rich story. I oh, forgot his a, name. That I'll is really to... interesting. Yeah, because I want to know who paid for it, because it was so extravagantly produced. That, Sandy, who that so who's this person here? Do you, know, do you recognize this person? <laughs> look, I'll do my look. See, Sandy is a baby. <laughs> that's look an elephant. You. My dad put me against a, that's a Ringling Brothers elephant, 1945. Uh, okay, 1945. Wow, look crazy? at that. What a great picture. So you guys, don't ever say you're too old. <laughs> I don't oh. want to hear that from anybody. You you know that's what is so inspiring about your stories that you in what your 50s were like down and out and uh No, I lost everything. You. I got evicted in my yeah. 60s. Right. I was run over by a car. I didn't walk. I had a crook lawyer who took all my money and got me evicted. And no friends. Yeah. And no friends. Now I have too many friends. You're so many friends. You got 130,000 followers or something. <laughs> You you recreated your it's life great. from a copyright. Really, you were a copywriter, and then no, you became. No, I was became, a producer. Sorry, I'm a producer. producer. Yeah, like you. And then you for advertising though, and then you yeah. became decided to become a journalist, which is amazing. Well, I, I had no choice. I lost everything, but I had a camera. You know, find listen, find what you love. Find, get a camera, uh, take your iPhone, hold it sideways, and shoot. Do it ten thousand times, and you'll get good at it. That's <laughs> so true. So true. That's the outlier <laughs> rule. What's happening here? Yeah, in this exactly, photo? and that's him. Who's the guy that wrote that? Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, oh shit! Uh, that's his uh, line. He's, he's the one that said, "Do it ten thousand times, and you'll yeah, get good yeah, at it." Yeah. Gladwell. Yes, thank you. Gladwell. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell. Thank God there's someone who's yeah. twenty-eight here and still has a memory. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's necessary. Uh, what's oh, happening in this photo here? What's happening in this photo here? That's me at the Cincinnati Reds. Okay. When uh, was that? It was Look a commercial with Pete Rose. He's not in this, and it was for Vitalis Dry Control. And um, look at you with the entire I team there. 1971. <laughs> I was so hot. You were hot. I gotta say, I was. Gonna, I didn't want like. To, I didn't want to say that because I'm not sure you can, I can say, say that, that anymore. Now. But I had no so idea hot. at the time. You were right? so hot. Yeah, I was hot. I was hot. <laughs> and we all were. I mean, it was the craziest time. You know, the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah. I want to hear those stories, but maybe we'll have to wait for an after <laughs> after show to, to figure all those out. Uh, we're out of time. I've had so much fun with you guys tonight. I'm sorry. It's, you too, dear. Uh, Thank uh, you we, so much. So quick. Thank you but, so much. This was great. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, Kayvon Shroff. I'm just saying it. Kayvon Kayvon Shroff. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I got it wrong. I almost got it right. Don't we? No worries. You are not the first. <laughs> <laughs> Kayvon, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you online and uh, so they can follow you on Twitter. Yes. And, and uh, so yourself. it's just my name, at Kayvon Shroff. Uh, and I think it's got the spelling up there. So hope to uh, join join the conversation on Twitter after. Yeah, Kayvon's got a great tweet. Great. So nice to meet you. You too. Yeah. Oh. You don't go anywhere. This is great. <laughs> you have to leave Everyone can find you at Sandy Bacon. Everyone knows where you are, but just tell everyone again. Yeah. Just Sandy, Sandy Bacon at Sandy Bacon on Twitter and my website. But I don't know why you would want to do that. But if you want to see what I've done for the past, you have 50 a good years, YouTube account as well, which is, is quite yeah. Enjoyable. You know, I since YouTube started taking down all of my QAnon stuff and our January sixth stuff, I yeah. I don't use them anymore, oh, okay. Okay. which is a shame because it's a revenue. I make my yeah. living such as it is from licensing my footage and now. Nobody knows. Hmm. Well, now they know that they can come to you here because you just advertised it. So there you go. (laughs) That's the after show for tonight, everyone. Thank you very much for being here. We'll be back uh, Tuesday on the Narrative Live. Have a good weekend, everybody. 
narrative is made possible by viewers like you. You too can support our independent journalism by going to www.patreon.com forward slash narrative.